the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, if you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but you've heard these questions today and you're curious, my goal was not to create unnecessary doubt. My goal was lead to lead you back to the cross to let you see that looking to Jesus and his goodness, to clinging to him, is your only hope. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Well, I wanted to uh, tell you my story, which actually goes back 38 years ago. We were at my parents' 55th wedding anniversary here in Tampa. I said to my sister, I don't know how mom has put up with dad for 55 years with that Italian temper that he has. And so I looked at Josie and I said, we may never be with someone for 55 years because we were both divorced at the time, but we will always have each other. And I'll never forget those words because on her way home that evening, a 17-year-old impaired driver at 80 miles an hour, he hit her head on. And they said before she died, she called out to me because we were probably the closest sisters without being twins. Every Friday before that, I was with her in that car going to the same location. But that night I was not. Talk about guilt. Why wasn't I in that car? Why did God spare me? Josie died on the side of the road at 12.35 a.m. It was the most difficult time in our lives, in our family lives. I started Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I co-founded that organization. I wanted to help other people because I saw the devastation my parents were going through. I know now that I can rejoice in hope. I know now that I can be patient with trials because trials still continue to come. And I know now that I can persevere in prayer. We have been coming here for, actually we were doing dual churches for two years. We would go to a Catholic mass at our Catholic church and then come here for service. When I would walk in to the services here and hear the worship music, It was so fulfilling and so full of hope and joy. I would cry because it was so emotional for me to feel the Lord's presence so strongly here. Now my personal relationship with Jesus is totally within my heart and within my total being. And I couldn't be any happier today and more present with God than I am in my Mission Hill family, and I am so grateful and so thankful. Lake Carroll, we were there, Carl and I went there because we truly love uh, Pastor Gary and, and, and Miss Lynn. And, 
And we went there for a service, and Pastor Paul was there that day, and they did a baptism. And I was, I, you know, he said, we'll baptize anybody. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I want to get up and be baptized. It was uh, difficult because my entire family was Catholic, and it was very hard for us to do this. However, the strong belief in Jesus Christ and that personal relationship I was developing led us both to the baptism, and it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And all I kept wanting to sing was that day was I ran out of my grave. (laughs) And it was just the most beautiful, beautiful moment in our lives. And we will treasure that forever. We will never forget that. And that's, I think that's truly one of the days that I surrendered and gave it all to God and said, I will walk with you. You did this for me, for my sins. I will surrender to you and I will walk with you. Good morning, church. Maybe you have a story that you want to share, a story of how God took your guilt and overshadowed that with his grace. We've got a way you can tell us our, your story now. Just go uh, on our website to uh, missionhill.org backslash my story backslash, and, and there's a simple form that you can fill out to tell us what God has done in your life, and, and maybe we'd have the opportunity to share your story just as we've shared Linda's today. Uh, the reality is that's what all of us desire, is a story of tremendous life change, a transfer, an exchange of our guilt and, and God's grace. The title of this series that we've been walking through in Romans is The Verdict because we've established the reality that one day we will all stand before what's called the great white throne judgment of God and there will be a verdict declared. And What we're discovering is unless we have an exchange of grace in place of our guilt, that verdict will be guilty. The book of Romans is all about that story and how that exchange takes place. And in fact, we've given you in these armbands and in these symbols that you see a a simple way to remember the story. We're reminded that every human being, all of us are, we're born in the same condition. That ground is level at the foot of the cross. All of us are guilty. We're all sinners, even though we may not think it. What happens is we look at our life uh, like you might put our deeds on a scale, and, and we begin to think, hey, maybe my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds, and the scale will balance out. But the reality is that's not the way it works, because the Bible says all of us are guilty. And the only just thing that can happen as a result of that guilt is punishment. And the, the only punishment that's right as a result of that guilt is death. But thankfully, the God that we serve is the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. He's the one that can make a way, and that's exactly what the cross represents. Our king died on our behalf. Our king became one of us so that we could look to him, so that he could take our punishment, so that we could receive his grace. And really, all of Romans is summed up in a couple of verses in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, where it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. 
So I want you to think about that phrase because that's what this book in the Bible is all about, the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news from God about Jesus that has great power for everyone who believes. And it shows us a simple way to be right with God. Have you applied the gospel of Jesus Christ to your life? Here's what I've learned. I grew up in a space like this. My dad was a Baptist pastor. So some of you know my story. I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. I mean, I was always there. So I grew up around church people. And and what I've discovered is that often we've exchanged the truth of the gospel for religion. And we get caught up in the religious things of life and the rituals of life. And ultimately, we get let down. So let me begin with the question. Has religion ever failed you? Have you ever felt like you've been let down by church? If not, religion will fail you. If not, church will fail you. Even this church, we're not a perfect church. In fact, if you find a a perfect church, whatever you do, don't join it because you'll mess it up. Because church is just made up of imperfect people who come together. It's kind of like a hospital for hurting saints. We recognize that we need God's grace to cover our guilt. We recognize that religion will never meet our deepest needs. Only a relationship with God through Jesus Christ will. Friend, I want you to understand something. Religion will always fail you. But Jesus never will. And while religion will never be enough, God gives you everything you need in a relationship with Him made possible through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the message I want you to get today. Religion will always fail you. Church will often fail you. But God gives you everything you need in a relationship with Him made possible through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what Romans chapter 2 is all about. I want to begin reading in just a moment, but would you allow me to pray for us once more? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we've gathered and we've sung praises to your name. We've worshipped you. We've prayed and asked for you to meet us here. We believe that you're capable of giving us everything we need that we don't have. You're able to teach us those things we've not yet learned, but we desperately need to know. And, God, you can even transform us. You can make us men and women that we need to be though we look in the mirror and recognize we're not there yet. So speak, Lord, and do what only you can do. Change us by your grace and for your glory. Take our guilt, our shame, our pain, and show us your grace. Show us your kindness. Show us your love. Lord, I pray again today that the words I say and even my thoughts would be pleasing to you, for you're my strength, you're my redeemer. And as a result of our time together, Lord, I pray that you would redeem someone else today. Lord, there's no doubt in my mind that someone who will hear these words is religiously lost. They're caught up 
in the trappings of religious behavior and ritualistic activity. But they've never trusted you. May this be the day of their salvation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Romans chapter 2. If you don't have a physical Bible, find that digital device in your hand and can't do anything else. If you don't have the Bible app, just put it on Google and type in Romans 2 colon 1. I want you to follow along with me because we're going to read a lot of verses today and it's important that you understand this is the Word of God. This is not simply my opinion. Romans chapter 2 beginning in verse 1, therefore you have no excuse, say no excuse, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Now, here's what I want you to do, and here's why I wanted you to be looking at a copy of God's Word. I want to encourage you to underline or circle or highlight five different words in that one verse that we just read. We're going to look at this whole chapter, but this verse sets the stage for the chapter. And the first word I want you to look at is that word, therefore. I learned even when I was a child, when you see therefore in the Bible, you should always ask the question, what is that therefore? Uh, Because it's always pointing back to something else. And in this case, that word therefore is pointing us back to chapter 1. And what did we discover in chapter 1? In chapter 1, we discovered that this is all about the gospel. There's power in the gospel. What is the power? There's power for the righteousness of God to be applied to our lives and to give us salvation. That's a big power that's found in the gospel. But we also learn that the power of the gospel reveals the wrath of God. Why is God full of wrath? Why is he angry? And we learned in this first chapter that the reason God is angry is because we are sinful. And our sin angers God. And that's described in chapter 1, and we've talked about it in several ways. We've said there was an aversion to the truth. We don't want the truth. And so there's a diversion from the truth. We turn away. And then there's a perversion of the truth. We make our own truth. Is there any better way to describe our society today? We don't want the truth of God's Word, so we turn away from the truth of God's Word, and we make up a truth of our own choosing. The problem is it doesn't work that way. No matter who tells you, you can have your truth and I can have my truth, that doesn't logically make sense. Truth is truth. And what we believe is that all truth is God's truth. 
So what was taking place in chapter 1, Paul's telling us that people were ignoring the truths of God, then they were imitating God, and then as a result, they were insulting God. They suppressed the truth, they pushed it down, they ignored God's revelation, even though they should have known better, and as a result, they denied God's glory. They are bad. Say, they are bad. That's easy to get an amen, isn't it? It's easy for me to point out there and say, they are bad. But the second word that I want you to circle or underline or bold or highlight in your Bible is that next word. It says, you. He makes a change. In chapter 1, he's talking about they and them. But here in chapter 2, he points the finger back at you. Who is the you in chapter 2? It's us. It's those that don't easily find ourselves as much in chapter 1. Maybe some of those sin struggles don't define us quite as much. We're the moralist. We try to make right decisions. It could have just been the moral people of all people, but many people think that Paul was speaking now to the Jewish culture, the religious the Pharisees, those that would have carved out time in their schedule to gather together on a moment like this on the Sabbath, those like us. So what does it say about you? The next words I, I want you to circle or highlight or underline are, are these words. You repeated them earlier. No excuse. Say no excuse. You know what's interesting? In Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, Paul says, just look at creation. Man, when you look at creation, I don't care where you were born. I don't care what culture you come from. I don't care what you've done. You have no excuse for seeing the handiwork of God. And we talked about, when we talked about that verse, all those different arguments for the existence of God. And it's easy for us to look at everybody out there and say, they have no excuse. But now... The Holy Spirit of God is speaking to people like us. And he's saying, you have no excuse. I want you to understand, he says, that when it comes to judgment day, you have no excuse. And then he makes clear that judgment is coming. That's that next word, judgment. Everyone's without excuse because judgment is coming to everyone. I'm reading through scripture. Did you know that in the Bible plan that I'm reading, even this morning in the book of Hebrews, it says that judgment is coming to the house of God. So you could just outline this chapter and, and we could just talk about God's judgment. I want to give you this, though that's not where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. But I, I want you to understand some things about God's judgment from chapter 2. In verse 2, you can see that God's judgment is based on reality. That's, that's not the way we wish it was. We wish God's judgment was based on what? Our intentions. Right? Right? That's not the way I want to be. I, I tell this story often, but one of the darkest moments in my life, when I had really blown it, I had made decisions that could have cost me everything. I called my longtime best friend, Rodney. He was living in Virginia at the time. I was living in Georgia. 
and I had a big old cell phone that was about this big, and, and I, I called Rodney, and I said, man, I don't understand this. Why did I do that? And I said, this is not my heart. Rodney let me go on for a couple of minutes, and then he said, Paul, I just need to correct you. I said, what? He said, yes, it is. I said, what do you mean, yes, it is? He said, yes, it is your heart. Your heart, apart from Jesus, is exceedingly wicked and deceitful. And until you understand that you're capable of everything, regardless of your intentions, then you're not going to work through this. And the judgment of God's not based on how we think we are. It's based on reality. In verse 3, we're reminded that God's judgment has no exceptions. <laughs> I, I don't like to play golf. You know why I don't like golf? Because I'm really bad. And, and when, I, when I go out on the golf course, it, it makes me think things I shouldn't think. It makes me want to say words I, I don't want to say. In fact, sometimes when I'm out on the golf course, I say, hey, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking, but if you write it down, I'll sign it just to put my name to it. On, on the golf course, you can get a mulligan. You know what a mulligan is? It's a do-over. Or what I really like to do, I can remember playing with my dad who was a little better than me, and we'd get to the green, and there was this rule that if the ball was so close to the hole, you, hole, you could get a, a give me. You could get a give me. And so, like, if I got on the green, I would say to my dad, you think that's close enough for a give me? He'd say, no. What God's Word is saying to us is there are no give me's. There's no mulligans. There's no passes. There's no, hey, we're not going to worry about it. Everybody's going to be responsible for judgment. Verse 4 reminds us that judgment is going to demand that we repent. Philippians talked about this. One day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what? That means even those who have denied Christ in life will acknowledge, I was wrong. God's judgment results in his wrath, his anger, verse 5. God's judgment would be based on what we've done, verses 6 through 10. And again, it's on reality. It, it'll last forever. God's judgment has eternal consequences. God's judgment is individual. It's not based on your grandmama or the fact that your daddy was a deacon or a Sunday school teacher. It's not based on, on somebody else in your family that was a part of the church. It's about you. It's without favoritism. It's not based on your race or your creed or your, or your cultural context. God's judgment is for everyone, it says in verses 12 through 15. In verses 16, it says that his judgment even in, includes our secrets. You all right? Do you know all of us have secrets? There are some things in your life that even that person sitting next to you doesn't know, but he knows. Those are part of his judgment. That's verse 16. And then God's judgment is in the hands of Jesus is what it says too. So Paul's writing to a group of Jewish people who think their religion is enough to let them fall up under the same judgment as everyone else and be okay. But he's telling them that in light of judgment, your religion is not enough. And the Bible's full of this. We, we think of Nicodemus who was, man, what a righteous person. He was like the Billy Graham of the day. And he comes to Jesus 
and he says, hey, I'm a teacher of the law. I'm a leader in the faith, a Pharisee of Pharisees. What do I need to do to enter into the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, you got to be born again. It's the same standard as everybody else. Don't you hate it when you're playing a game or you're doing something and you don't know what the win is? You don't know what the standard is. When you're watching a baseball game, when you're watching the Rays play, you know the team with the most runs wins. When you're watching the Bolts play, you know the team with the most goals win. When you're watching the Bucks play, you know the team with the most touchdowns win. But sometimes in life, it's hard to know what the win is, right? Like when your wife comes out and, and, and she's wearing a new outfit and she says, Tell me how this looks. Does it make me look fat? Regardless of the answer, I'm just going to tell you, gentlemen, the win is to say no, not a chance. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.